took me into a, a, a vision. I don't know how long I stayed in that vision, but I know God showed me a lot. And I was in that vision, and I saw Joshua standing on the banks of the River Jordan. And the word of the Lord come to him. God spoke to him said, Moses, my servant is dead. And I saw Joshua turn and look at the tabernacle. You know, everywhere they stopped, they set up the tabernacle. And every time they set that tabernacle up, the pillar of cloud come on it by day and the pillar of fire on it by night. And when Joshua turned and looked at that tabernacle, the pillar of cloud wasn't there. God just told him, said, Moses is dead. He turned down and looked at that tabernacle, the pillar of cloud wasn't there. So everything uh, Joshua knew to be God for 40 years was gone. He had to find God in a brand new way. We gotta find God in a brand new way. Cause everything this generation's done for the last 40, 50 years, it's dead. I mean, it's dead. I'm telling you, it ain't, it ain't work. God told me it ain't working no more. I seen that big steam locomotive here about a month, month and a half ago, just going down the tracks, just hard to go, big old steam rolling out of it, just barreling down the track wide open, and it started slowing down. And it come to a dead stop on the tracks. And I was, I mean, I saw it in the spirit. I'm looking at it. And the Lord said, the dispensation generation you've been in, he said, it's come to an end. He said, I'm not moving that way no more. He said, I'm bringing in a new generation. Bringing in a new dispensation. Amen. There's a new generation out there. There's people out there who ain't never heard the gospel. There's people out there who ain't never heard the name of y'all. Y'all realize in this country, people ain't never heard the name of Jesus. Never heard the name of Jesus. Well, my wife talked to that lady on December 13, 2017, and started uh, talking to her and telling her. She was all upset and crying, and my wife was there in her business, and she started crying. And, and my wife said, well, I'll pray for you. Said, and started telling her God will help her. She stepped back and looked at her and said, I don't know you, God. I'm Buddhist. She said, I don't know you, God. I don't know who your Jesus is. She said, you've been in this country 16 years, and nobody's, t- she said, nobody's ever talked to me about you. Can y'all believe that? Somebody in this country 16 years, and nobody's ever talked to them about Jesus. When I started checking, I found out that from the 60s to right now, there have been over 60 million people immigrate to this country that are bound by a dollar tree and live in darkness right here in our country. Why do you think our country's having the trouble it's having? Why do you think it's having the problems it's having? You know, people used to immigrate this nation that assimilate into society. They come in now, they set up their own communities, they stay closed off. When they stay closed off, they'll get out, they'll work among us. This is, this is what I've seen. They work among us, they shop among us, they eat among us. They'll get out in public, but when it comes time for their worship, they're in closed communities. And the, the Lord told me, he said, it's time for these uh, doctrines of idolatry and darkness to come down. And the only thing that's going to bring them down uh, is the light of life. The only thing going to bring them down is a word uh, of the kingdom of God that will bring deliverance, uh, bring miracles and deliverance. Uh, and it's time to preach the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, you show me in the Bible where Jesus preached anything else. Didn't preach anything else. Bible says in Mark, the first chapter in the 14th verse, said when John was put in prison, I think it said Jesus come out of Galilee and begin to say repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then he said he come somewhere uh, 
preaching the gospel of the kingdom. I can't remember what town he'd come into. He'd come into somewhere preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And he never preached anything else. But I'm going to tell you everywhere he preached the kingdom, demons come out. Sickness has got healed. The blind seen. The deaf heard. The lame walk. He raised the dead. I remember in 1984, a lady invited us up to a college from up in South Carolina, if I remember right. It might have been North Carolina. North Carolina or South Carolina, Lisa? I think it was a little town called Lawrence, North Carolina or something. She went to college up there. She invited us up there. We went up there to preach, and she got us a room on that college campus to preach in. So we was up there preaching. Let's see. Okay, in Mark 1 and 14, after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus never preached anything else but the gospel of the kingdom. Brother Meadow, what's the gospel of the kingdom? The gospel of the kingdom is Christ being revealed in here, not in his nature, his mind, his love, and his spirit, but his power and authority. Church don't have no power and authority today. She can talk about love. She can talk about the gospel. She can talk about all these things. She can talk about how great God is, but she ain't manifesting it. Man, I'm ready to see some manifestation. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2nd chapter, he said, I didn't come to y'all with enticing words of men's wisdom. I didn't come to y'all with great swelling words. He said, I come to you in demonstration. He said, I'm going to demonstrate my God's real. I'm going to put him in action. So he said, he said, I come in demonstration of the spirit and power that your faith might not stand in the wisdom of men, but your faith might stand in the power of God. My faith stands in the power of God. My faith stands in a God of power, a God of deliverance. We was we was up there in that little college town in 1984, and I think it was the next day. I went on to preach two or three nights. I can't remember now. But I, we were staying in a little motel, uh, just like a local-owned motel, and they had a big grassy courtyard. And I was sitting out there at a picnic table the next day reading my Bible, about 2.30 in the afternoon. And I was sitting there reading and Heard a voice speak. And that voice spoke and said, And the dead are raised up. I thought somebody walked up behind me. And so I turned to answer the person. As I turned, Brother Adolfo, I said, I believe that. And wasn't nobody there. Heard that audible voice said, And the dead are raised up. And the Lord started dealing with me. About a dead raising revival. Begin to show me that before the coming of the Lord, we was going to preach and people was going to be raised from the dead in the embalmed state, laying in the caskets in funerals. We were going to walk in by the Spirit of the Lord and raise them from the dead. Hallelujah. So about two or three nights later, I think it was, it wasn't very long after the Lord spoke that to me, that I had a dream that I was somewhere in revival and they called me and I didn't tell anybody Oh, who it was as long as my dad was alive, but my dad died back in 204, but this was somewhere in 80, 84, just right after the Lord spoke to me about, a, I got a call, I was preaching revival somewhere, and, they, and I got a call, my dad had died. And my dad preached the gospel probably from the 50s all the way through till he died in 2004. He's 88 years old and he died, still working, still preaching. And 
So I got that call that he had died. And I asked the Lord, I said, do I go to the funeral or I keep preaching the revival? Because I was having a great, mighty move of God. And I knew I couldn't do nothing to help him. He's at home with the Lord. So I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, sad or nothing. I mean, I knew I was going to miss him, but I wasn't grieving because I knew he would made it home to be with the Lord. And the Lord said, no, you go. And so when I got in the town, I said, well, Lord, do I go by the house and I go to the funeral home? He said, go to the funeral home. Because I didn't know where everybody was. And when I pulled up the funeral home and I stepped out, and I remember driving a pickup truck. I stepped out. Spirit of the Lord come all over me, just a, a faith that I don't think I'd ever felt. And I knew whatever I asked God, He's going to do it. I just had that, that confidence. You ever had that, you ever been that place in God that whenever you asked God, you knew He's going to do it, didn't matter what you asked Him. Anybody ever felt that? Man, I felt that thing run all over me. And when I went up to the door of the funeral home, I won't never forget, they were, they were, you know, like you go in some of these stores in these shopping centers, they were double glass doors. Uh, and I, Pull that door open. Just I pulled that door open. The Lord said, he said, when you go in, he said, do exactly as I tell you. He said, go in, don't speak to nobody. He said, walk straight to the coffin. I said, okay. So I walked in and found the room where he was. And it was a long room, probably looked like about a 100 foot. And I saw him laying up there in the coffin. I started toward him. I seen my family start on this side, start pouring me and held my hand out. And I walked all the way up that coffin. He was laying there, and his right hand was on top. And he had his hands folded like this, and his right hand was on top. And the Lord spoke to him. He said, reach down, take him by the hand, tell him to sit up. Whoo, Lord Jesus. Some run through my soul. I just reached down. Brother Adam took him by the hand. Said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise. And he sat up and started talking to me. Hallelujah. So later on, I asked the Lord, I said, I said, is daddy going to die? He said, not at this time. He said, I was showing you that I'm fixing to restore the gifts of healings and miracles. Because daddy had the gifts of healings and miracles all his life. When he, you know, when, when I was a little boy growing up, he had gifts of healings and miracles. He, he, he preached tent revivals, pastored churches and had great miracles. He said, I'm fixing to restore the gifts of healing and miracles back to the church. And he said, then there's coming a revival that's going to raise the dead from the embalmed state. I said, hallelujah. Glory. Hadn't seen it yet. But it's on its way and it ain't far off. I said, it ain't far off. I said, it ain't far off. Hallelujah. Say how you know. Because I remember, y'all Y'all remember what I told on last week about that spirit of Elijah and that spirit of Moses. Y'all hadn't, uh, I don't think y'all heard me get into that yet, but the Lord showed me that this last day outpouring, it ain't going to be a whole outpouring of the Holy Ghost like they had on the day of Pentecost. Everybody thinks the last day outpouring going to be just like it was on the day of Pentecost. No, it ain't going to be that way. It's going to be a spirit of prophecy poured out. It's going to be the spirit of Moses. It's going to be the spirit of Elijah. It's going to be like the spirit of Jesus. The Lord walked in this temple right here, sitting up on this hill on March the 8th at 3.30 in the morning, 2017. Walked in there and I sound asleep. She was at her house in Conyers. And the spirit of the voice of the Lord walked 
walked in there and I felt it walk in and begin to wake me up. I, then I heard the audible voice of the Lord echo through the trailer. I said the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I, so if you got the testimony of Jesus, if you got a witness I, of the resurrected Christ in you, I, there is a spirit of prophecy. I, I didn't say the gift of prophecy. I, I said the spirit of prophecy. I, the spirit that was in Moses. I, the spirit that was in Elijah. I, it's fixing to speak uh, and bring forth mighty signs and uh, wonders and miracles. Uh, or I think it was the 22nd of March, kneeling right here on my knees. Uh, in prayer, I went into a vision. Uh, and I saw this country scene like out in the country. Uh, dirt road, bushes, trees, early of the morning. Uh, then all of a sudden, a big split uh, come right down through that picture. Uh, and I seen a man step out. Uh, and the voice of the Lord said, the word of the Lord. Uh, she'll step on the scene suddenly uh, and I saw Elijah uh, step on the scene by the word uh, and the power and the authority uh, of that spirit of prophecy our sons and daughters fixing to prophesy Woo! they ain't gonna prophesy like we think they're gonna prophesy see when Joel spoke and said I'll pour out my spirit saith God we think that they're going to get the same type of Holy Ghost we got. Uh-uh. These are sons and daughters that are called, ordained, elect, predestined, foreordained from the foundation of the world. And when this thing moves in them, it ain't going to be just a little tongue talk. It ain't going to be a gift of prophecy. It's going to be the spirit like Elijah. It's going to be the spirit like Moses. And they're going to prophesy signs in the heavens above. They're going to prophesy wonders in the earth beneath. They're going to prophesy blood and fire and vapor of smoke. They're going to prophesy and turn cities upside down. We're entering into a move of God. 2019, this birth and a visitation of the spirit of Elijah in the spirit of Moses uh, like no generation has ever seen. We ain't going to hold this down. When this thing hit me, I hit the ground running in 2019. What you going to do when you're driving through downtown Atlanta and the streets start shaking? I'm telling you, we, we see signs in the heavens above Wonders in the earth beneath and it ain't coming just cause God said they're gonna happen. Somebody gonna prophesy. Our sons and daughters gonna prophesy. Our young men gonna see visions. Our old men gonna dream dreams. See, you go back and read Joel 2.28 and you read Acts 2.17. Everything that was spoken there, it didn't happen on the day of Pentecost. Go back and check it. It didn't happen on the Pentecost. It's happening now because everything in there relates to the spirit of prophecy. Everything in there relates to the spirit of prophecy. He said, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. They shall have dreams and visions. Dreams and visions, according to the word of God by Moses, come to prophets. Is that what the word says? Read your Bible, Numbers 12 and 6. Moses said, if there be a prophet among you, I'll speak to him by dreams and visions. I'm going to tell you something. This little thing we got, we call the Holy Ghost. Ain't nothing what the Lord wants to reveal now. He's getting us ready for something. You want to stay in religion, stay there. 
But you're going to look down the road and you're going to see these little, two really little, little bitty red lights. I said, Brother Matter, what you saw? I said, Y'all going to be looking at my tail lights. Because I'm going forward in God. I said, I'm going forward in God. Hallelujah. I'm going forward in God. Uh, God's spoken too many things. There's too many things happening. Uh, and God spoke on the ninth. I mean, the fourth of uh, January. Uh, September 2016 uh, and he said I changed the course of man in the earth uh, and he said there's coming forth a new uh, and different anointing uh, if you ain't listen to that prophecy go listen to it uh, because something new's coming in you know why there's a new generation out there uh, there's a generation out there that don't know Jesus uh, there's a generation that never heard the name of Jesus uh, and you ain't gonna win them with what's going on in this church uh, you ain't gonna win them with what's going on in church uh, they gotta see a God gospel of power, uh, a gospel of deliverance. They got to see the kingdom uh, of heaven preached and not just preached, uh, but revealed. Uh, and it's time for us to get up uh, and go forward and press uh, for God to reveal himself. Nobody's pressing for anything, Sister Deborah. We come into church and hearing the word. Time we get out of church and get home, we done carnal minded all over again. It's time to get spiritually minded. What the Lord say about them that walk in the Spirit? They will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Brother Matter, I can't defeat this old flesh. You can if you learn to walk in the Spirit. You can if you learn to walk in the Spirit. Well, how do I learn to walk in the Spirit? You keep the things of the Spirit before your eyes. Isaiah 26 and, and 3 said, I will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon the Lord, because he trusts us in him. You, you'd be surprised the people I talk to, they say, I have no peace. Ever talk to people don't have peace? They don't have peace. I met some folks way back in the 80s. Had money. They could buy any natural possession they want. They feel that way. But a lady come to me one night and she said, Brother Metter, she said, I can buy anything I want in the natural. Got everything money could buy, any possession, any car, any vehicle, homes, you name it, we can buy it. She said, but I have no peace. I said, well, thank God you come in contact with a gospel of peace. I said, you come in contact with a gospel of peace. Thou were the word that I read in Romans 14 and 17 says the kingdom, the kingdom of God is neither meat nor drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. You see, Christians today, they're discouraged. They're beat down. They need somebody to pick them up. They need somebody to pray for them. They need somebody to heal them, deliver them encouragement every day of their life. They run around with their chin dragging the ground. The Word of God says the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy. Joy, 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 joy. Where's the joy of your salvation? People used to have joy. Uh, they used to have joy. When I got saved uh, 47 years ago, I had joy. Uh, I had joy. Uh, I had joy. Some of y'all did too. Uh, but you've lost your joy. Uh, you need to go back and draw some joy uh, out of the wells of salvation. Uh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because this word of God, uh, it is joy unspeakable uh, and full of glory. Uh, and the half. Ain't never yet been told. Hallelujah. 
You always got to have somebody praying for you and encouraging you and lifting you up. Praying for God to heal you and strengthen you. You ain't got the Holy Ghost I got. You got a religious spirit. Because I'm going to tell you the Holy Ghost I got is a measure of the resurrected Christ. He said it's glory. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. You know where your strength is? The Bible said, joy of the Lord your strength. You know where joy is? In the presence of God. Doesn't the word say in the presence of God is the fullness of joy? In the presence of God is the fullness of joy? He said, so this that I'm preaching, he said, it's joy unspeakable and it's full of glory. He said, in the half. I ain't told you half of it yet. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory, and you ain't heard the half yet. My God, we ain't going to be able to contain ourselves. Well, Brother Metter, I love the Lord, but now you need to get rid of him, but. Y'all know what goes around butting all the time, don't you? Bunch of goats. <laughs> People talk about the Word of God, and then they'll say, but, but. But, but. But, talking to a man one time, every, everything I told him, he said, yeah, I believe that, but. I believe that, but. I believe you tell me the truth, but. I said, man, you a sheep or a goat? I'm serious. Goats what goes around butting all the time. Don't y'all take this wrong, but I was listening to a preacher preach one day. He had a good friend of mine, and I know he said it on purpose, and he said it. He didn't crack a smile. He was talking like that. He said, my God. He said, every time I turn around, you goats are butt this, butt that, butt this. He said, why don't you goats get your butts and get out of here? <laughs> he said, let the rest of us serve God. Brother Metter did it again. It's talking about unorthodox things happening in church. And I said, well, give me a chance. I'll come up with something. <laughs> like Sister Deborah said, when our the people here we've come to love and know come over from coming this morning, she said, we don't ever know what's going to happen around here. That's the truth, ain't it? We don't never know how God's going to move. Hallelujah. I'm just sorry some of our people couldn't be here today. That's all right. We're going to have a good, 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 good time in the Lord. Because I preached. I guess I got something in my blood because I finally got to preach Friday night. Y'all know all I've been doing is teaching. And, man, I got to preach Friday night, and I preached like this for about two hours. I got plumb beside myself. I didn't even want to start preaching a little bit after 8 o'clock. Went probably a little after 10. I didn't even want to quit. Man, I'm feeling the Spirit of God walking up and down on one side of me and down the other. Lord, give you joy. Lord, give you joy. I don't know if y'all ever, any of y'all ever heard of Jack Cole? He was a, a, a big healing preacher in the 50s. Had, uh, 
put up tents and auditoriums and preach and, and preach fifteen, twenty thousand a service to have great miracles. And I I got listening to him on a uh I had some videos of him and uh I was watching him one night and he's talking about what happened to him when he got saved. He was uh put in an orphanage when he was three years old because daddy was an alcoholic and lost everything they had gambling. And so they had to put the kids in an orphanage. Uh, I think it was him. Uh, I think he had a sister, maybe another brother. But anyway, put him in an orphanage when he was three years old. And he stayed there until he was like 13 or 14. Finally, his mom got remarried and, and the stepdad come and got him out. Nobody adopted him. And I know when he was about 15, 16, he went back home and lived with his mom and dad. And when he got out, he got drinking. And he stayed drunk all the time. He had worked drunk, come home from work and go out and stay in the bars, come home one thirty, two o'clock in the morning, be so drunk. And, and he, But he didn't miss work. I mean, he got to where he could function drunk all the time. And a lot of alcoholics will do that. They get to where they can function drunk and drinking. And uh, so he said he's on his way to the bar one night and went by this little old Nazarene church and said a voice spoke to him and said, go inside. So he said, I just went inside and sat down. He said, man, I ain't never seen nothing like it in my life. He said, I sat down on that bench. And he said, them people were singing and shouting and praising God. He said, I had never been around nothing like that. Said, church, my mom and stepdad went to. Said, it wasn't old dry, formal. You didn't move. You didn't say nothing. You just sat there and listened to the preacher for about 15, 20 minutes. And then you got up and went home. <laughs> he said, I was sitting there and said, man, them people was a shouting and praising God and a jumping and a hooping and a hollering and he said, I sat there, and he said, I leaned up the little lady before me, and he said, uh, she was shouting and hollering, God, send the fire, send the fire, send the fire, send the fire. The lady behind him jumped up and said, God, send the rain, send the rain, send the rain, send the rain. He leaned over the little lady beside him. He said, ma'am, I'm a little confused. She said, what's the matter, son? said, that lady up there hollering fire, this one back here hollering rain. He said, what is it y'all want around here? She said, both of them, both of them. <laughs> So he said, I sat there for about an hour and a half, and he said, they were singing, shouting, praising God. And he said, they sang, I'm in the glory way. He said, and I counted it. He said, they sang it 87 times. And he said, the more they sang it, it got louder and faster and louder and faster and louder and faster and louder and faster. He said, they sang, shouted, and praised God to about 10 o'clock and said, that preacher come out. That's where church used to go. I mean, folks used to stay in church 1231, 1.30 in the morning. He said, about 10 o'clock, that preacher come out and started preaching. He said, was telling me how sorry, low down, no good I was. He said, I didn't know nothing about church. He said, but I sit there listening to that preacher. And he said, man, something got to working on me. He said, and that preacher got through, said he gave the altar call. He said, I didn't know nothing about God. He said, but I seen them other people going down there. And he said, I headed down to that altar. And he said, I got on my knees. He said, like they did, and I started telling God. He said, I just started asking God to help me. I said, God, I don't know what is what is it I need. He said, but I need something. He said, I heard, heard one man say, Lord, forgive my sins. So he started saying, Lord, forgive my sins. Lord, forgive my sins. Lord, save me. Lord, help me. He just repeating what everybody else was saying. He said, after about 10 or 15 minutes, he said, man, something hit my soul. 
He said, something lifted up off of me. He said, a lightness and a glory and a feeling. He said, come in down inside of me. He said, I felt like God had lifted 20 tons off of my soul. I felt joy. He said, I didn't know what to say. He said, I didn't know how to say amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He said, so all I could do is run up down the aisles at 1 o'clock in the morning hollering, hot dog, I got it. 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 Let me tell you something. You get the right thing, you're going to holler something. You get the right thing, you're going to say something. And he said, I, I didn't know what to say, and all I knew to say was, I, hot dog, I got it. Get it. It's the right thing. It'll put joy in you. Amen. So he said, by that time, it one one thirty in the morning. He said, so I went home singing, went in. He said, I woke my mom and my stepdad up when I went in and went in the bedroom, knocked on the door. Said, hey, mama. She said, what you need, son? He said, mama, I just want to tell you, I got saved tonight. She sat up in the bed and looked at me and said, you got what? Said, mama, I got saved tonight. Said, she poked Stepdad and said, go put him to bed. Said, buddy, he's tied one on this time. <laughs> so some of my stepdad got me in there in the bed. I don't know why I'm telling this. I just feel good in my spirit today. Said, my stepdad got me in there in the bedroom and started trying to get my clothes off where he could get my pajamas on. Said, he unbuttoned my shirt and he said, I had my hands up praising God. Said, and he pulled this sleeve off. When he turned that arm loose, it went up. And I said, hot dog, I got it. Said so he pulled it back down, put the pajama sleeve on it. Said so when he turned it loose, he said, I said, thank you, Jesus, I got it. Said so it took him about 30 minutes to get my pajamas on. Said, cause every time he turned my hands loose, I'd throw them up and say, hot dog, I got it. Said so when he finally got my pajamas on, he pushed me down in the bed. Said so he got to the door and turned the light on. By the time he did, said so I sat up in the bed and threw both hands in the air and said, hot Dog, I got it. She said, so I got up the next morning. He said, went to the breakfast table and said, my mom put my breakfast on the table and said, I just sit there and looked at it. She said, she seen I wasn't eating. She looked at me and said, son, something wrong. He said, well, mom, ain't we supposed to pray over it or say something or do something? She said, son, what's wrong with you? He said, I told you, mom, I got saved last night. She said, son, Dr. Cronkite gonna get tired of baptizing you. <laughs> He said, no, Mama. He said, I didn't get what you got. Stepdaddy don't even have. He said, I'm telling you, I got saved tonight. And he said, Stepdaddy looked at him and said, boy, you done said enough. You better hush your mouth. And he said, so for six months. He said, I went out of the house singing. Shouting and praising God, come in from work, singing, changed clothes, cleaned up, and said, headed out to revival. Said, I stayed in church every night for six months. He said, by that time, he said, we'd done, moved in an old tent revival. He said, I headed out the door one night. He said, my mama said to me, said, son, where are you going? He said, I'm going to church, mama. Said, you going to church? Said, son, you've been going to church every night for six months. He said, 
That's okay. She said, won't you stay home with me and your stepdad and I? He said, Mom, you didn't say nothing to me when I was going out drinking every night. She said, well, we think you kind of lost your mind over religion. He said, I might have. He said, but my God. <laughs> he said, it's great. And so they tried to get him to stay home. He said, no, I ain't staying home. She said, then we're going with you. He said, hallelujah, that's what I've been waiting on. So we got in there in that old tent and said, that preacher preached. He said, about 12.30, 1 o'clock that morning, said, my old gray, 73-year-old gray-headed mama sitting beside me. And stepdad sitting beside her. Said she looked at her step, uh, my stepdad and said, you going to that altar? He said, no, I'm not. She said, then get out of my way. I've got to go. <laughs> said she got down that altar, got to pray, and he said, I could hear her. Said she liked me. She didn't really know how to pray in that kind of meeting or what, how real God was. And, and she just started praying and said, God, help me. Said, God, I've been serving you all my life and said, I've seen my son. Said, there's something in it that I ain't never had. Said, God, give me what Jack's got. Said, God, give me what Jack's got. God, give me what Jack's got. Said, after about 15, 20 minutes, said, she come out of that altar, big smile on her face, jumping and shouting and praising God. She said, Jack, I know what's happened to you now. I got it. Said, I got it. I got it. I know what's happened to you now. And man, she said, joy was just bubbling up out of her. Where's her? joy. Where's the joy of people's salvations? Where's the joy? Where's the joy? People don't have joy. Man, when I got saved and I got around somebody, I talked to them about Jesus. You couldn't keep me quiet. Some of y'all, when y'all first got saved, couldn't keep you quiet. Now you can't get a word out of you edgewise. It's the truth. People lost their joy. So said after she come out of that altar, said it's probably about one thirty, two o'clock. And so said they, they just don't want them all night supermarkets. Said so we decided we'd go ahead and do the grocery shopping. Said stepdad, he went on home. Said he is tired. He said I think he's just shamed to both of us. Said <laughs> so we got in that supermarket and got a buggy and said me and my mom was walking along. Said we'd been crying and praying and magnifying God and said her eyes were all red and bloodshot. <laughs> you tell us somebody been crying. Said we went in that grocery store and said we went by this big display of canned tomatoes. Said my mom looked at that thing and said, Jack, you know what that reminds me of? She said, he said, no, what, mama? Said the blood of Jesus washed my sins away. Said, man, she said that. She said the Holy Ghost hit her. She went one way and the Holy Ghost went me and I went another. Said two o'clock in the morning. Said every cash register in that place quit working. Everybody quit shopping. She said to watch a seventy-three-year-old gray-haired mom and her boy run the aisles and shout and talk in tongues. He said, "When I come to myself, he said I was laying over the meat counter." <laughs> said, and I looked up and said, "The old butcher was sitting there, that old bloody apron, just a crying and wiping his eyes." <laughs> Said he looked at me. Said you've been up there at that tent revival, ain't you? He said yes, sir. He said my wife went up there about three weeks ago and got one of them treatments. And said I can't hardly live with her. Said she's always singing and shouting and praising God. He said, if I don't get up, get down, go down there and get one of them treatments, I don't know what I'm going to do. 
He said about two or three nights later, he said that preacher gave the altar call, and he said, here come that butcher, bloody apron and all down the aisle, just wiping his eyes and praying, and praying, fell on the altar and started repenting for God to give him one of them their treatments. <laughs> we need God to restore something. We need God to restore some joy. Because when we get the joy of the Lord, people going to know it. You ain't going to have to wear a t-shirt that says you're a Christian. You ain't going to have to tell nobody you're a Christian. They're going to know you because there's something on the inside of you bubbling over that can't be contained. We need Christ revealed. We need Christ revealed. We need Christ revealed. We need something to happen to us in the Holy Ghost. We need to get back in our prayer closet and back in our altars and pray until the Spirit of God gets on us. And I guarantee you, you get around people and you got the right thing thing in here. Somebody going to say there's something different about you. I've had it happen too many times. I was in a revival down in Fitzgerald, Georgia back in 85. My wife, a lot of times she didn't go with me because we had three kids at home and I'd get on tent and pray after service a lot of times 2, 2.30 in the morning. I'd get through praying and I'd go like a huddle house or a waffle house and I was usually fasting and I'd get me a cup of hot tea so I was sitting in the huddle house about 3 o'clock one morning, drinking a cup of hot tea, and waitress come over and waited on me and got me a cup of hot tea. And about 10 minutes passed by, and she come back, and she said, Need anything else, hon? Winked at me. I didn't even look up, give her an acknowledgement, and I said, No, ma'am, I'm good. About another 5, 10 minutes went by. She said, You sure you don't need something, hon? I said, No, ma'am, I'm good. So in just a little bit, she come back over and she said, there's something different about you. She said, you're married, ain't you? I said, yes, ma'am, very happily, thank you. She says, oh, okay. She walked away and she come back a few minutes. She said, no, that ain't it. Lord done showed me she backslid. She said, what is it about you? She said, I know there's something different about you. I said, yeah. I said, I'm a homeless preacher. And I said, you backslid. I said, you know what the Holy Ghost is, because the Lord done spoke to me and showed me where she went to church and how she backslid. And when I told her that, she turned red from right here all the way up, hung her head and walked away. She says, oh, my God. And she turned bright red, says Deborah, and hung her head and walked away. She come back in just a few minutes, and I started witnessing to her about Jesus. And before I left that town, she got her heart right with God. But see, she knew there was something different. You behave yourself. You let the Spirit of God get in you. You let the Spirit of Christ Jesus get on the inside of you. It'll make a difference. You don't have to run around with all these things plastered on a T-shirt or on your back or tell you. You don't have to tell nobody you're a Christian. They're going to know. How you know, Brother Matter? Bible said that you know the tree by its fruit. That means there ain't, ain't very many people bearing no fruit because they ain't showing nothing. They ain't showing no fruit of Christ, no how. He didn't say you'd be judgmental, hypocritical, hard, nasty, mean. We're going to be Christians. Do you know the Bible said it's first called Christians in Antioch? Word Christian means try to be Christ-like. Be Christ-like. Put on his nature. Put on his mind. Somebody texted me last night and said, uh, what does it mean to be Christ-like? I said, do what? They said the, the, the scripture says in Romans to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So what does that mean? I said exactly what it says. 
You put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Bible says in Romans, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. I said, when you get the Spirit of Christ in you, I said, and you yield over to it, I said, it brings his mind, his nature, his compassion, his tenderness, his mercy. You ought to walk like he walked, talk like he walked, and do what he done. Really? Yeah. What the Spirit of Christ does when it gets in you. If you yield to it, let it work. Does the Bible not teach us that we should walk as he walked? Does it not teach us where he said, be ye holy for I'm holy? You can't be holy in yourself, but you get the Spirit of holiness in you. You get a spirit of righteousness in you, and you yield to it. But a lot of people get it, and they don't ever yield to it. They keep it suppressed. No. Man, you got to let this get in you. Hallelujah. Now I want to go to Philippians, the third chapter, if I can get there. Man, the Lord's had me on a crazy track this morning, but that's all right. We're having a good time in the Lord. I got something I want to show y'all later on in the service if the Lord lead me that way. God spoke to me back on eighteenth day of December. What are you fixing to do this year? Where Adam, we headed somewhere, man. I'm telling you, there's a power of this kingdom being revealed. I'm not gonna preach anything else. After the Lord spoke to us in, in uh September twenty sixteen, told me he's bringing forth a new men uh, a new generation. He's going to bring a new crop up here. And y'all know we was in prayer here one day. And I, the Lord took me out in the Spirit and was in prayer. And the Spirit of the Lord, and the Lord spoke and prophesied, said, the Spirit of the Lord start going out of this church and go five miles in every direction and start convicting people and saving sinners. And when the Lord spoke that to me, I was on my knees right here. And them doors were open in the Spirit. And a car stopped right in the middle of that curve out there, right in line with them doors. And the window come down, and a man pointed his head out, uh, hand out the window like that and said, God, in that church is real. I ain't forgot that. God's going to fulfill that vision. But he said, if people get in his church and pray. But the Lord told us he'd bring a new crop in. And we told us he'd bring a new crop in. We started visiting churches, start trying to fellowship people, start trying to let people know we're here and what we're preaching. And we wouldn't get nowhere. <laughs> there are people who need healing or deliverance or miracles. They'll come here and God will heal them, God will deliver them. And then they go right back where they go to church. They don't want nothing to do with this gospel I preach, but they want everything to do with a miracle. <laughs> so finally the Lord spoke to my wife one day. And he said, when I said new crop, I'm in new crop. Not you trying to get old folks that's bound in tradition and doctrines of men. He said, I'm in new crop. Lord showed us that Vietnamese woman. He done spoke to me about the heathen. Doors fixing open. Doors starting open to the heathen. She lost contact that lady. I think that lady got fired off her job for witnessing. Because before my wife left that. Business, she had ordered that lady a Vietnamese New Testament parallel Bible, parallel to English. She pulled it up on Amazon, turned it around there in Vietnamese, said, can you read that? She said, yes, I can. That's my native tongue. My wife ordered her a Bible and sent it to her home. Vietnamese and English, parallel. 
And she went back to see her, and she had that Bible, and she already read into the book of Luke. And when she went back next time to see her, she'd gone back to Vietnam to see her family, and after that, she couldn't find her. We think the lady fired her for preaching about Jesus. <laughs> and you know, you walk in these businesses, these people, they got these Buddhists set up. Oh, man, they're Chinese, Japanese, they, they, Vietnamese, they got them Buddhists set up because that's what they've been taught their God is. Ain't no realness in that God. We got a, a Spanish-American community about three miles from our house, Brother Adolfo. Probably got five to 10,000 people in and We're just waiting for God to give us a sign to go in there. Just waiting for God to speak to us to go in there. God's going to open that door. Y'all hear me? Heathen. God ain't going to keep wasting time on folks that don't want the truth and don't want to live right and just want good religion, good church, and good singing. Man, it's time to be moved by the Spirit. I'm be led by the Spirit. There ain't nothing wrong with singing if it's Spirit-led and anointed. Don't come in church till I put on a show. I ain't got no time for that. I ain't got no time for that. I'm after something. Anybody after something? Hallelujah. So I'm going to talk to you out of Philippians, the third chapter here for... Y'all give me five minutes. I won't take over 45. We'll get past 45. I ain't going to tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you, I preached Friday night for probably almost two hours. My wife said, said, man, that thing's been getting bottled up in him for three months now. But from Philippians, the third chapter, y'all with me? So the seventh verse. What things were gained to me that I counted loss for Christ, gave doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. It's Paul talking. Now, whether y'all realize it or not, Paul was very well-to-do, highly educated, and had high position in the Sanhedrin Council in Jerusalem. And they say you can't be in the Sanhedrin Council unless you married and got a family. So I think Paul had family somewhere. I don't believe a man Paul's age and his status and his education uh, was still single. I believe he had family somewhere. But when he accepted the Lord and turned began to preach Jesus, everything he had, he had to give it up. People didn't want nothing to do with him because he turned against the Jewish faith. You understand what I'm saying? So Paul is writing right here. He said, he said, I'll give up everything. Then I may have this excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. He said, all things have been done. He said, I've lost it all, but I don't care. Paul didn't care that he lost everything in the natural. Because he wanted to win Christ. All right, let's go on to verse 9. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, that the righteousness which is of God, by faith. You don't have any righteousness unless Christ lives in you. Christ is your righteousness. He's what brings righteousness. You don't have righteousness by the Word. You have righteousness by the Spirit. Amen? A lot of people want to run around toting the Word and dress a certain way on the outside, and they call it holiness dress. I preached in tent revival one night. I said, I want everybody tomorrow night come in here in your holiest dress. And people just looked at me. 
I said, you heard what I said. I said, I want you all come in here in your most holiest dress tomorrow night. That means men and women. So, Brother Meadow, why would you say that? Because when you say wholeness, first thing pops in people's minds is that we're dressed. Isn't that right? I said wholeness has nothing to do with how you dress. I said wholeness is cleanliness of the heart. I said you can dress modest. You cannot dress holy. And I said, holiness will bring modesty, but modesty will never bring wholeness. I said, because if it's outward dress, I said, the Amish and the Muslims both got us to be hands down. <laughs> Do they not? I mean, if it's just dressing where, man, the, the, the Muslim women wear them things, them burkas, they don't show nothing but their eyeballs and their hands. You can't even see their feet. I've been in India. And in villages where them, and they're just slid across the veil. You can't see nothing but that in their hands. You can't even see their feet. So if holiness comes by outward dress, we done lost, we done lost the fight. But modesty don't bring wholeness. But wholeness will bring modesty. And I believe in people dressing modest. Amen. But it ain't wholeness. Wholeness is the Spirit of Christ cleansing your heart, cleansing your mind, cleansing your spirit. And when the Spirit of wholeness gets in your mind and gets in your heart, you're going to walk upright and do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. And that's what we need. We need the Spirit of wholeness restored back. You know, in, in Ephesians 4.23, Paul said that according to deceitfulness of lust, the old man, He's made after deceitfulness of lust. And we're corrupted by the things that the old man believes. But by the Spirit of God, we're renewed in the spirit of our minds. Let me, let me get the exact quotation. It'll take me just a second to turn over. I can't quite get the quotation on it, which is unusual for me, but I just can't quite get it. It's Ephesians 4, verse 22, that you put off concerning the former conversations, which is behaviors, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So what happens to somebody when the Spirit of God comes in, you're renewed in the spirit of your mind, and God begins to help you put off the deceit of the old man, the corrupt, the lust, the nature of the old man, and helps you begin to put on the new man, which is created after God in righteousness and true holiness. Because he's renewed you in the spirit of your mind. If your mind don't ever get renewed by the Holy Ghost, you ain't never going to learn to serve God. You go up out of verse 20 and Paul said, you have not so learned Christ. You gotta learn how to walk with God. You gotta learn how to serve God. You gotta learn what that word means. That's the reason we need teachers to teach people how to live holy and clean and walk up right before God. And I was telling a young lady yesterday, uh, she's known me ever since she'd probably been in this world or just about. 
And I said, I've lived my life by one scripture and practice it, and that, that is to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. I said, I've lived my life by that scripture to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. I said, I don't care what everybody else does. I can't do what everybody else does. I got to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. My life has to be pleasing to the Lord. I can't live my life to please people. I can't live my life pleasing my wife. I can't live my life pleasing my kids or my mom or my daddy. I've got to please my, live my life to please the Lord and do what is good and right. In the eyes of the Lord. You know why Joshua and Caleb was two men that God let go into the promised land? Because he said they had a different spirit and they wholly followed the Lord. And all them people that came out of Egypt that was 40 years old, 20 years old and older, especially the men of war, every one of them died. God wouldn't let them go in the promised land except Joshua and Caleb. He said, because they had a different spirit, and they wholly followed the Lord. I do my best to wholly follow the Lord. You've been around me in different situations. You ain't going to see me get outside. Man, you get around me ten minutes or so. I mean, if you meet me out on the street somewhere, I'm going to start talking about Jesus. I'm going to start talking about the Lord. We've been in Brother Eric's home and had Bible study, and they fixed meals for us, and we'll sit down and eat. And they just about tell you, the whole time we're talking, we're talking about the Lord. We talk about the Lord. I don't care if ever we're there two hours, which we ain't never been. It's been more like three and four and five. About every time we go, we talk about Jesus the whole time. Teach the Word of God. You need to keep your conversation. You need to keep your behavior right in the eyes of the Lord. Amen? And when you do that, it's going to cause God to smile on you. I'm a believer. Had a lady tell me and my wife one time, she said, I'm going to tell you two something. She said, I've been around you. I've been in your home. And she's been serving God about 30 years now. And, and she said, I ain't never seen, and she said, so many Christians. She said, they're one way in church and another way in their home. She said, but y'all the same everywhere you go. I said, well, ain't that what you're supposed to be? She said, yeah, but people ain't like that. They get in their homes and they cussing and ranting and raving and trouble and turmoil, arguing and fussing and fighting and I said, that ain't being uh, that ain't walking with God. I said, you just putting on a show if all you doing is going to church and, and acting like you something. That's reading that word conversation right there means behavior. It means behavior. He said, you put off your former behavior. Amen. It's time to practice. Lord told me several years ago, he said, Muslims practice the teachings of Mohammed. Buddhists practice the teaching of Buddha. People that believe in Confucius, they practice the teachings of Confucius. He said, but Christians do not practice the teachings of the Lord Jesus. They do not practice my word. He said, all these other religions, they practice the teaching of the words of their leaders. He said, but Christians don't do it. That's wrong. If you're going to confess to be a Christian, then you need to practice his teachings and try to do what's right in his eyes. Because I'm going to tell you something. You ain't got to worry about all these other guys. They dead. But Jesus is alive. He's alive. Amen. So I'm going back to Philippians 3, verse 9. He said, And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, 
But that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And then Paul went on and said that I may know him. Y'all see this? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Paul saw something right there. He saw a power and an authority and a dominion that Jesus had when he was resurrected that he didn't have when he walked this earth. And Paul said, I want to know him. I've come to that place, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. How many of y'all ever heard the scripture says we suffer with him, we're going to reign with him? Well, where are you going to suffer with him at? Down here. Where are you going to reign with him at? Down here. You ain't going to reign with him up there. You ain't going to have no glory revealed in you up there. Any glory revealed in you is going to be revealed in you down here. That's why Paul said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Because Lord fix and reveal something in us. The Lord's working now to reveal the glory of the resurrected Christ in us. And that's what Paul said. He said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, if by any means are are being made conformable unto his death. Ain't none of y'all ever going to be made like Jesus in his death, that what he went through. You ain't going to do it. But what you've got to come to understand is Paul wasn't talking about his physical death. He was talking about how he died out to the flesh. How he totally surrendered his carnal, natural man to put on the mind of the Spirit uh, and be made alive in the Spirit. Before Jesus went to the cross, the, the Word of God says that uh, when they went to the Last Supper, said the Lord yielded everything over into his hands. He knew what was fixing to happen from that day forward. He had a choice. He had a choice. There's people that say, uh, try to tell me Jesus couldn't sin. I said, yeah, he could. Why? He had a choice. If he didn't have a choice, why did he pray, Father? For this very hour, you brought me into this world. I spent these 33 whatever it is years. You brought me into this world. You brought me in to be the Lamb of God. You brought me in to be the supreme sacrifice. Hebrews 10 says, Thou hast prepared me a body, O Lord, and I've come in the volume of thy book to do thy will. He said, The blood of goats and bulls and heifers thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. In other words, when John saw him in John 1 and 29, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He had come to be the supreme sacrifice because I, by doing that he fulfilled the sin sacrifice under the law. I, he said, I've come to do this. I, anybody told 
told you as good as told the Lord. He said, I don't want to suffer. I, I don't want to go through this agony. I don't want to go through what I'm fixing to have to suffer. I, he said, but nevertheless, not my will. I, he had a will. He had a will I, that he could have followed, but he surrendered. I, he became conformable unto death. And he's telling us, I, it's time to be conformed to his death. I, it's time to be made like him and be willing I, to surrender our life. I, that if by any means, Paul said, I, I might attain I, unto the resurrection of the dead. He said, I won't be like him in his resurrection. And I've said this, and I say this, people, look at me. Jesus walked this earth for probably three and a half years. said, if all the miracles and everything he'd done was written in books, the world couldn't contain the books. Is that what it says? But yet in John 14 and 12, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall ye do, because I go to my Father. Now, how? People's argued over this for years. How are you going to do greater works than Jesus? I'll tell you how. Because when he died and resurrected, he took on the fullness of God. He is right now, God is right now living in the body of Jesus in the fullness. The Bible said that the fullness of Godhead dwell bodily in Christ Jesus. That's what it says. So the fullness of the Godhead, the fullness of, is dwelling in Christ Jesus. And he said, you're going to do the works that I do and greater works than these are you going to do because I do what? I go to my Father. Well, he just didn't go to the Father. He come back. He ain't come back in the fullness of that Spirit yet. But he fixing to come back in the fullness of that Spirit, that latter reign of the Holy Ghost. And he never, after he was resurrected, came back to this earth and ministered like he did before his resurrection. He never preached. He never had miracles. He never done anything except instructed the disciples on things pertaining to the kingdom of God, according to Acts 1 and 3. He didn't minister on this earth. We're going to minister in the authority of that resurrection. We're going to minister in the power of that resurrection because in that resurrected power, everything, I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is. It's under subjection to him. It's under subjection to him. He had power over natural death before he died, but he didn't have power over spiritual death. But when he resurrected, he said, I have the keys of death and hell. I now have, I now have power over spiritual death. You read Hebrews uh, 2, and it'll tell you in 14 that he had power. That the devil had power over spiritual death and kept man in bondage. And man feared spiritual death because there was no eternal life till Jesus came. Man didn't know where he was going. He didn't know what was going to happen to him at death. But when Jesus came, he took the keys of death and hell. He took the keys of spiritual death and promised man that serve him, he'd give him eternal life. And everything come into subjection to that man, Jesus, because uh, he stood in, in Matthew 28, 19. He said, now, all power in heaven and earth is where it's given unto me. 
All power in heaven and earth now dwells right here. And he said, what I've got, I'm fixing to give you. Hallelujah. He said, I'm fixing to give it to you. Therefore, I, the works that I do shall ye do also, and greater works than these shall ye do. Why? He said, I go to my Father, but I'm coming back. He told him in John 14, he said, I'm with you. He said, but there's coming a day that I'm no longer with you, but I'm going to be in you. And it's time to get him in us. It's time to get him in us. It's time to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill thereof. And it's time to do what Paul said right here. And Paul said, I see a place in Christ that I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. It may take the fellowship of his sufferings, but so be it. I see that mark. I see that mark. And I want what I see. Y'all ever made the made the statement I press toward the mark? You ever quoted that? What are you pressing for? Gotta know what you're pressing for if you're gonna tell folks you're pressing toward the mark. You go to verse twelve. After Paul said, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection dead. Verse 11, he said, Not as though I had already attained, either already perfect, what Paul was saying right here, I hadn't reached the, the, the maturity and the completeness of Christ that Christ has prepared for me. There's a place of maturity and completeness in Christ that is prepared for us. And the word for it is perfection. Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. Verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the maturing, for the completeness of the saints, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith, one faith, one faith, not 14, not 35 denominations, the Lord told me here a while back a denomination is a division of the faith and it pollutes part of the faith and waters it down. The word denominate means to divide. Look it up. A denominator is a divider. So when you have a denomination, you have a division of the pure gospel. You have a division of the pure faith. I've had people pull up my tent so many times and ask me, what faith are you? I looked back at him and said, what do you mean what faith am I? I didn't know there was but one. No, I want to know what faith you are. I said, I'm striving to be a Christian. Well, what do you believe? The Bible. Well, how do you baptize? In water. How do you baptize? Let me see you baptize some other way. Well, some of y'all are spirits. You got, I think, get baptized in lemon juice. People can get some awful spirits on them, call themselves Christians. So it's one faith, one Lord, one baptism, 
One God, the Father of us all, is through all in us all. And, and, and Paul said, he gave these five ministries for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, that we all might come in the unity of the faith. The oneness of the one faith unto the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man or a mature man. That measure of that statue, that fullness of Christ. I'm going somewhere. I'm after something. I'm seeking something. I'm not just going to church and going home and sitting down waiting till the next service. My head is constantly in that Word, constantly in prayer, constantly studying, constantly seeking God. I went to a man's home the other day. He ain't been serving God about a year and just went to see him. He, he had a knee operation. He couldn't get out, so I went to see him. He's got, I can't tell you the confidence that man's got in me, but he's only heard me preach a couple of times, but he's he just got confidence in me. He's seen how I conduct my life. He said, I got a question I want to ask you. He said, I'm not asked there four different people, and they couldn't answer me. He said, I told him, he said, that's all right. I'll ask Brother Metter. If anybody can answer me, Brother Metter can answer me. So he started asking me some questions about things, and I just started talking to him. He said, now that makes sense. He said, I asked all these other people, and they couldn't tell me. He said, what you saying makes sense. I said, that's because it's got the word behind it. Think about what I preach. It's got the word behind it. Amen. And it bears witness. If you got the Spirit of God and I got the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God of me will bear witness. Amen. God ain't going to tell me one thing and tell you something else. He said the witness of the Holy Ghost in us bear witness. We are His children. We are His children. And if anybody comes preaching any, any other gospel, then that's been already preached to you. What Paul said in Galatians first chapter, let him be accursed. He said, though we are an angel of heaven, preach any other gospel. That's why I stick with the gospel of the kingdom, because God revealed it to me. And when Paul come to the Lord, he said, when God separated me from my mother's womb, when it pleased the Lord, separate me from my mother's womb and call me by his grace, he called me to reveal his son in me. I want his son revealed in me in the fullness Amen. In the fullness. But Paul went on here and said, I ain't already got this. He said, there may be some that's already attained. Because Paul talked about people that were apostles in Christ before him or walked with Christ before him. He said, there may be some that's already attained that place in God that they're fighting for. He said, but I ain't attained it yet. Are y'all still with me? Verse 12, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brother, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting the things that are behind me. you got to forget all them things behind you. you got to focus on new life. You've got to focus on the new life in Christ. You forget all them things behind you. There ain't a one of us hadn't been beat up. There ain't a one of us, the devil, hadn't just tried to destroy us. 
Learn your lessons from them. And Paul said, forget them. If they ain't going to edify Christ, forget them. Don't talk about them. While we were down there, we were going to home prayer meetings every morning and just sitting and, and, and preaching the Word. Most of the time we just sat at people's kitchen table and preached the Word for an hour and a half, two hours. Man, one morning the, the Holy Ghost fell, and we got there at 10 o'clock, started talking about the Lord, and the Holy Ghost fell. We didn't come out of that until almost 1.30, going on 2 o'clock. Spirit of God hit in such a way. And all I'd done was just expounded, telling people what God's doing, telling people they need to get out of this old beat down, depressed, discouraged, always got to have a move of God in their life, and take hold of the life of Christ, take hold of what He's doing and come forward in it. Just look how God's changed your life. I mean, just since August when we started coming around. There have been some get a hold of you, man. Just, I mean, you like daylight and dark. God's totally changed that man's life. Why? Because somebody come preaching the truth. Somebody come preaching a word of truth to him. And we got all this locked up in us, and people out there dying, and we ain't letting nothing out. Y'all be ashamed of yourself. Don't be ashamed of yourself not to let this life. And so I, I've been getting pretty bold, and I've been telling people, you call yourself preacher, you call yourself evangelist, you ain't got deliverance, you ain't got something to help people, stay home. Go home and sit down. Be quiet. Because people need help. Amen? People need help. People need help. Have I attained this place of the power of the resurrection of the dead? No. But I ain't letting what's behind me hinder me. If I talk about what's behind me, I do it to edify people. I don't do it as a complaint. Paul didn't run around complaining about everything he went through. But he did tell them in, in, in 2 Corinthians 11 chapter, he said, let me tell you something. He said, y'all want to talk about Self-righteousness? He said, I'm talking about self-righteousness. He said, I was born a Pharisee. I was born in the house of Benjamin. I circumcised the eighth day. He said, according to the law, I'm blameless, man. He didn't name it at all. And then he got down there and he said, I, I've, been, I've labored more than y'all. I've been more effectual more than all of you. He said, I've been more zealous for the law than all of you. He said, but now since God's changed me, he said, I've still had more zeal than a lot of you. Done more, done more in works. And then he started going through what he had suffered. I think he said, three times I've been beat with rods. Four or five times I've received 40 stripes, saved one. Been stoned twice, left for dead. Been shipwrecked three different times. A day and a night I floated to the deep. Been in danger of countrymen, in danger of kindermen, been in peril in the country, been in peril in the city. He said, I went through all these things, and besides that, he said, now there comes only the care of all the churches every day. He said, but I hadn't yet attained. He said, but I ain't given up either. He said, but I'm not letting what I've suffered and what's behind me. He said, I'm not letting it hinder me. He said, because I know there's a place that I can put on the resurrected life of Christ. 
Do you know there's a place you can put this on right here? That's the reason when you say you're pressing toward the mark, the mark I'm pressing toward is the resurrected life of Christ living in here. And I'm pressing for it. I preached Friday night down there, and I preached straight, and I preached hard. And I told them people down there, because a good friend of mine founded them churches down there, and she went home to be with the Lord in July of 2017. And since she's been taken off the scene, man, there's a lot of garbage got in people's lives. And I stood right there the other night and told them, I said, y'all better get y'all's act together. Some of you preachers down down here, you better get down to business with God. You better get some leadership in your spirit. You better find the will of God, and you better present a vision to the people and gather the people in one mind for one accord and lead them in one vision. I said, because without a vision, the people perish. You can't go do your own thing when it comes to walking with God. You can't serve any kind of doctrine. You can't serve any kind of gospel. You can't just go here and go there. It matters what you believe. It matters what you support with your finances. It matters how you live your life. And if you ain't going to live your life obeying the truth, don't expect God to fight for you. I had a lady talking to me, and I'm fixing to bring this to a close. I wanted to... Go a whole lot deeper and go in a whole lot different area, but the Lord didn't lead me that way. But I was talking to a lady the other day, and she was telling me all the things she wanted God to do. I said, let me tell you something. I said, God is a lawgiver. John, God's a lawgiver. I said, and the Lord works on laws and principles. That's how he works. That's what his word for. All his word is laws and principles. I said, if you don't keep them laws and principles, and I said, and it's like you come to court before the Lord, and you ain't kept his laws and principles, he has nothing to plead your case with. Because you broke his laws and principles. He said, "What am I gonna, how am I going to fight for you? If you ain't done right. If you ain't kept my laws and my principles, what do I use to fight with? You understand what I'm saying? But if we keep God's laws and principles and we're faithful to keep his word, that he got something to fight for us with. He got something to fight for us with. And if we stand before the judge and the enemy starts accusing us, and we've done what's right in the eyes of the Lord. And the Lord says, if I forgive you, I don't only forgive, I forget. So when you come before the judge and you've been accused of something and the books is all open, and they look there under your name said, ain't nothing there. Been blotted out. All handwriting ordinances against you been blotted out. Everything you've done wrong been blotted out. So the devil can't stand before the Lord and accuse you. Y'all understand what I'm saying? God's a God of law and he's a God of principles. And that's how he works. That's why he had to find a man after his own heart and bring Jesus through the lineage of David for Jesus to pay with his body and his blood to take back what Adam gave away. He couldn't just take back eternal life, and take the power of spiritual death away from the devil. He had to find a man willing to pay the price. 
and he found Jesus. And he paid the price. He, he paid for your body. He paid for your soul. He paid to deliver you from the bondage of hell with his body and his blood. Amen. He paid for you. That's how the Lord was able to take the keys of death and hell out of Satan's hands. That's why he's reconciling us. According to 2 Corinthians 5, 17, all the way through the end of the chapter, he's paid the price to bring us back to the place where he created man in the beginning and put us back in the kingdom. Because when he created man, he set him in control over the earth. That was the kingdom. When Adam disobeyed God, he gave the kingdom into Satan's hands. Y'all, y'all, y'all know why we have such a hard time living here? It's the devil's territory. It's the devil's territory. But because we're believers and we've accepted Jesus, we've been given rights and privileges the sinners out here don't have. We can live in this world and things the devil does can't touch us. Because we're being redeemed. We're being reconciled. Amen. It's time to take hold of what God's doing. It's time to take a hold of what God's doing. I thought I'd go a completely different direction, but and all I had time to do was put together some scriptures because we didn't get in until about 4.30 yesterday afternoon. So I just had time to put together. I didn't have time to put in commentary, but it's time to seek first the kingdom of heaven. What's the kingdom of heaven? The rule and reign of Christ right here. It's time to seek it. It's time to get it active in our lives because the world's dying for deliverance. Y'all hear me? The world's, di- the world's dying for deliverance. Somebody fix a step into this. Somebody gr- visit this, this thing's growing. The spirit of Elijah, the spirit of Moses, God been revealing to me. It's going to be poured out in our sons and our daughters. It ain't every son and daughter going to get this. But those that are predestined and chosen from the foundation of the world, I know my son is. But it's, a, it's up to him what God does. But I know he's chosen. I was talking to somebody the other day, and, and they raised their kids in church. And now their uh, oldest son has started professionally shooting pool. That's how he makes a living. He hustles, shoots pool. And he don't drink, don't take drugs. He just loves to play pool. He may have a job besides that, but he he loves to play in them tournaments. Said he's in a pool hall here a little while back. Said a man come in, seemed to be drunk, and just you know just bouncing around on and off of people. And said he'd come over to him, started talking to him. Said next thing you know, he was delivering the word of the Lord to him. Said he delivered the word of the Lord to him, talked to him for what, 15, 20 minutes? And said the young man turned and looked, and the, uh, the other man turned to go and said it wasn't two or three seconds. He turned back and looked, said he's nowhere to be found. Angel of the Lord walked in a pool hall and ministered to a young man predestined and foreordained to be a vessel of God. And then every time he turns around, he's calling his daddy. He said, I need some CDs. I need some preaching CDs to listen to. Said so he went through about 15 or 20. I'm fishing the I didn't do it while I was down there, but I'm gonna I'm gonna call it daddy and say, put him on our website. <laughs> if he wants some word, put him on our website. 
Because our website got plenty of word on it. Amen. See, he reached out there where that young man was. And I don't care where they're at. I don't care if they're going to church. I don't care if they're bound in sin. I don't care if they're out there in darkness. When God gets ready. The Lord said to everything, there's a season. There's a time. He said to every, everything, there's a season. There's a purpose for every time under heaven. This is God's time to visit this young generation. And that's who he's fixing to pour this spirit out on, on our sons and our daughters. It ain't going to be a little shout and talk in tongues and a little gift of prophecy. It's going to be the spirit of prophecy. Brother Eric, did I send you notes on this? The spirit of prophecy. Did I send you notes on it? If you had a chance to look at any of them. That's why you understand more. <laughs> did he? What did he tell you? You want to share it? I had a week off with the kids, but it got to the point where I was by myself, and boy, when God speaks, He speaks, and it 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 didn't bring me to my knees, but it opened me up. And uh, for the last couple of years, I just you see how this not just not just the world, but you see our nation, and. I don't like to talk about politics. I I do at work, but because I, I mean, you could go to five people and get five different opinions real quick. And I seen what this what this just our country has gone to. I seen where our country has gone, where our country has gone to, and it's it's flipped turned upside down. And he told me to go to the Bible, and I pulled it up, and I, talking about the spirit of prophecy, and he pulled me to Ezekiel chapter 37 in the Valley of Dry Bones. And I'm going to read it because it, it hit home when he spoke to me. He said, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of a valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? Our country can live. Our country can go back the way it was founded on. So I answered, O Lord, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. Brother John, you've been talking about the Spirit of God of prophecy. And it's not it's not about just a group or young men like me and Adam or about you. We're not just meant just to speak a word. Yeah, the word will go forth. He talked about prophecy. 
it hit me like a ton of bricks. I, God has called me. I know he has. But it, there was more to it than just, Eric, I need you to go to work. Yeah, I, we all do. We all need it. It's prophecy. It ain't about just speaking a word. It's a prophecy. This country, this world needs a prophecy, not just somebody that can stand up and just say, the Lord is great, the Lord is wonderful. It's We have to speak prophecy, the Spirit of God, the full resurrected Christ. It did. It hit me. And I said, thank you, Lord. I said, wherever the valley of the bones is, I got to go. Amen. I it spoke it right here. This country is dead. It's dead. There's people sitting around looking and hungering for something. It's a valley. Go to it. Go to it. Speak to it. Not just speak and talk. Prophesy to the bones. Prophesy to them. Let it hit them in the soul. Open up their hearts. Prophesy. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and I prophesied. There was a noise suddenly and rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. And he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, and they may live. I looked, I looked out the window. I saw the wind. I saw the trees rustling. And I said, thank you, God. Thank you for your prophecy in me, for the word in me, that I may go forth and preach to the dry bones. Not just a word, the spirit of the living God that is deep within us. Very deep within us. I come up. I, my kids were in the house and I, I about come unglued. <laughs> I was about, if for one thing, it's to show my children, even though I'm a stepdad, it's to show my children, not just a word, but a prophecy that's within us to come out. And what a day. And also, as, I, as he was talking to me, because we celebrated Christmas, we've celebrated New Year's, and Jesus came forth, and he also brought, brought me to Matthew. It was when he was 12 years old, and Mary and Joseph had... They were going back to Nazareth. Well, Jesus wasn't around, and he was in the—he was still in Jerusalem. He was still speaking. He was still preaching. And this—this this is just how great God is. And about prophecy and the Spirit of God, a prophecy, and it's in Matthew chapter. Or it's actually Luke chapter two verse verse forty nine. So when they saw him, they were amazed, and his mother said to them, 
Son, why have you done this? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why do you seek me? Do you know that I must be about my father's business? So, when my family or when my kids look for me, I'm about my father's business. I'm, I'm working for him. Because this, it's what, what we've talked about in our Bible studies has hit home. And it, when he brought me to the valley, we can make bones live. And we're about our father's business. We're working for him. And these last two weeks have been very, very amazing and very revealing that 2019 Get a grip, get a hold, and let loose. <laughs> and be about your father's business. Yes. So I'm I'm thankful where the Spirit of God is going to take me. But it's not it is. It's not just it's not just getting up to speak. It's 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 prophecy. We we've got to get this world to come alive. Amen. Hallelujah. Brother Eric, I had that same vision in 1984. Matter of fact, you can ask your mother-in-law, because I revealed it in that Bible study that night over in Sugar Hill or Buford there. Oh, and she was coming at that time. I don't know if she's there that night, but I was sitting on a couch at my mother-in-law's house, and the back of their house is just glass, and they live on a lake. And while I was sitting there sipping on that cup of tea, I'd been fasting three days, and I had to preach that night, and it was at Sister Reba's where I was going to preach. And the Lord took me out, and I saw that lake turn into the valley of dry bones. And I saw that whole vision unfold, and when the Lord got through showing me that vision, he asked me, he said, do you know what you've seen? I said, no, Lord, unless you tell me. He said, you've seen the body of Christ coming together. That's what he told me in 19. I didn't even know what the Lord was talking about back then. But he said, you've seen the body of Christ coming together. So God's bringing this body together, and this, this prophecy is going to bring folks alive. It will bring this nation alive, I'm telling you. Don't be surprised if the, the spirit of prophecy don't get somebody, and I'm going to stand on the White House steps or the Capitol in Washington, you see it begin to prophesy the word of the Lord and things begin to happen. You're going to see things happen in 2019, I'm telling you. The Lord's already showed me. The Lord's already showed me 2019 going to be a, it going to be a year like we and no other we ain't never seen. And I want to go to the book of Joshua and I'm going to show you what God spoke to me. Oh. It don't matter. I'm going to show you what God spoke to me on the 18th of December. Uh, and that's when he began to deal with me how great this year is going to be. Yeah, i got to find my scripture. Or right, uh, go to the book of Joshua, the 8th chapter. I'm 
when y'all there, let me know. Okay, the 18th verse. And the Lord said unto him, said unto Joshua, Stretch out the spear that is in thy hand toward Ai, for I will give it into thine hand. And Joshua stretched out the spear that he had in his hand toward the city. Now, uh, you can read the rest of it, but in verse 26, it says, For Joshua drew not his hand back, wherewith he stretched out the spear until he had utter destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Now, I've read the Bible through and through all my life. I have seen the rod of Moses. I have seen how that Moses stretched his rod out. And things happen, but I've never seen Joshua stretch out the spear and hold it until the battle was won. Never saw it. Have you ever seen it? Any of y'all ever remember reading how Joshua held his spear out until the battle was won? Well, if you go back where Moses held up the rod of God and he got tired and Abram got on one side and her got on the other and set a rock underneath him and helped him hold his hand up, as long as that rod of God was held up, the battle prevailed. It went down. Israel started losing. And when I read that, the Spirit of the Lord hit me. And I saw Joshua standing there with that spear holding it out like this. God took me in the Spirit, and I saw Joshua holding that spear out like this. As long as he held that spear out, Israel prevailed. And the Bible said he let not that spear down till they had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. And as I watched that in the Spirit, Brother Eric, the scene of the vision changed, and I saw myself doing this right here with a spear in my hand. And the Lord spoke to me and said, This gospel of the kingdom will be a spearhead in this last day move of God. And I saw myself holding this spear and said, God, get you, God said, get you a spear and demonstrate this. So I, I started hunting. I didn't even know you could find one, but I found one. And this is a sign to y'all that this gospel of the kingdom is going to spearhead uh, a great deliverance move of God. Uh, and ain't nothing going to stop what's going forth now uh, in 2019 because this thing uh, is going forward and going to spearhead. Uh, we ain't being held back no more. Uh, we're going forward in the spirit. We're going forward uh, in a move of God and a deliverance move. Uh, that we're going to destroy our enemies. Uh, all our enemies are now going to fall uh, before us uh, by the Spirit of God in the Word of this kingdom. Uh, ain't nothing going to prevail. We're taking the enemy down. Y'all hear me? We're taking the enemy down. It ain't going to stand before us. Ain't, gonna, ain't nothing going to stand before us, I'm telling you. This word of the kingdom, if people get this kingdom in their spirit and begin to preach this word of the kingdom and begin to declare this gospel of authority and dominion and Christ being revealed, ain't nothing going to hold you back. We went out and let the devil hinder us. 
We went out and let the devil drive us back. No more, brother Don. No more. This is our time to move forward. And I saw myself just standing holding that spear just like that. And I said, Lord, if I get that spear. I said, people going to think I lost my mind. If I come standing holding the spear, people going to think I lost my mind. And the Lord kind of let me know. That ain't never bothered you before. I said, true. And I started telling my wife what the Lord had showed me, and I found a spear, and I said, order me that spear. I'm going to leave it right there. (laughs) She knows God spoke to. She may not fully understand it. She knows, she knows when God speaks to me. And God spoke to me. I didn't know you could find the spear. And I started looking around and I found some spearheads. I said, now, if I get your spearhead, I said, I gotta make a shaft for it and I gotta find a sheath and I gotta find everything else to protect it. And then I come across one, found this and I said, that's it right there. It's already got the sheath with it, already got the cover with it. Because see, when I use something for God, I'm very careful with it. Lord put a staff in my hand back in 84. He put that staff in my hand and come in Georgia when I had my tent up there. I was on fairgrounds coming in Georgia in 84. Lord spoke to me. Go out in the woods there behind the tent. And I cut me a staff. It was real small. Wasn't about half that size. But it was about that tall. And I cut me a staff. And I skinned it down, stained it. And when the Spirit of the Lord get on me, I'd grab it, hold it up, speak the word of the Lord. And every time I'd do it, the Spirit of the Lord come on me. I speak by that Spirit of the Lord and that staff. God bring that word to pass. You mark my word. God's bringing this word to pass. We're going forward in the authority of this kingdom. You want to sit, sit. You want to back up, back up. But I will be up and about my father's business in 2019. Because I'm going to tell you something. I didn't preach more. In 2019, outside this church, and I did probably all the year 2018. I'm fixing to preach the fifth time outside this church, because I'll be with Brother Ronnie Pope in uh, Adairsville Thursday night, the 10th. And that, that'll make five services I done preached outside this church in 2019. I don't think I've done that all 2018. So this thing's hit the ground running and it's on the move. So next time the devil sticks his head up, say, you better put your head down. <laughs> better put your head down, devil. It's exactly right. You know, we've, we deal with people all the time, deal with spirits and stuff. And in 2014, the devil tried to kill me. I mean, we thought we thought I had the flu, and she got a minister on the phone praying for me, and that minister said, "There's a there's a the, there's a demon spirit manifest itself in your home right now, trying to kill your husband." And my wife turned and looked right beside the fireplace, right there where we get down on our knees and pray. We got a little couch there, right where we get down on our knees and pray. A spirit starts started manifesting itself, revealing itself to her, and buddy, the anger of the Lord come on her, and she looked at that spirit. She said, "You ain't got no right." 
And she told it. She said, you get out of here. And it left. See, the devil had come in. God put me in a trial. But there's a lot of time in a trial if you ain't careful. The devil tried to destroy you. And the devil had stepped in trying to destroy me. And I didn't, I mean, I wasn't even a conscious mind hardly to, I couldn't fight. I couldn't pray. And the Spirit of the Lord come on her and she stood in the gap. She told that thing and said, you ain't got no right to manifest yourself in this house. I said, you get out of here. I said, this is the place where we pray. This is sanctified unto the Lord. And they that thing got. You don't have to entertain unclean spirits. You don't have to entertain forces. You don't have to let forces come in your home, war against your mind, your body. You got authority over. It. Learn to use it. Amen. Y'all appreciate the Lord today. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay this right here now. Please don't touch this. Don't mess with it till I get time to put the cover back on it. Cause stuff is it's holy to me and sanctified when I use it in ministry. And I got a staff up there that I keep covered up, and I don't I don't touch it. Thus I feel the Spirit of the Lord. And I won't let nobody else touch it. Because to me it's holy. It's something I've dedicated to the Lord. Now if you touch it, you better have a handkerchief or something in your hand. You better not put your bare hands on it. Because the only time I put my bare hands on it is when I'm under the anointing. Because I fear the Lord. And I feel like God put that in my hand. I really do. I felt the witness of it. When I picked it up, I feel like God's put it in my hand. Haven't we had a great service today? Hallelujah. I appreciate everybody coming. And I want to just pray, and let's ask God to put this word in our heart. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you, Lord, put this word in our heart. God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to understand what your Spirit is speaking. Give us direction, Lord. Order our steps. In 2019, let us go forward in the authority and dominion of this gospel. We'll give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm going to take just a few moments here and receive tithes and offerings. Uh, I'm going to put a bucket over here, and this will be for church over here if you want to help me. We'll have one over here because... People don't understand it, but we do live by faith. And it's just whatever God brings in to help take care of needs. That's what we function by. And if it ain't there, it ain't there. But God ain't never let it not be there when we really need it. And if you give and you write it off your taxes, if you want to make a check out to World Revivals, uh, it is tax deductible, so you can do that. But what I ask you to do is do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. That's all I ever ask people to do is do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. And I think I told you, y'all can get the radio broadcast now on your cell phone. Did I tell you there's a link on our website? You can link into it. Y'all can get the broadcast on our cell phone, uh, 515 to 545 every Sunday. We got a lot of people. I, I, I've taught people in Africa and India and gave them the link, and I'm hoping they're going to. They're going to start listening to it. Of course, that'd be 5 o'clock in the morning for them over there. <laughs> I greatly appreciate y'all coming. I really do. We have so enjoyed having y'all in service with us today. And I know this ain't going to be the last time either. <laughs> so everybody obeyed the Lord. Let's ask God bless this Father in the name of Jesus. Lord, bless it.
God honored the giving, Lord, by because they obeyed the word or because you spoke to them or by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Bless obedience, Master. Bless obedience, God. God, as they've obeyed your voice and done what's right in your eyes, bless it, Lord. And we give you honor. We give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if anybody needs prayer, I'll pray the prayer of faith for you. But we're going to be in Bible study tonight in LJ at Sister Kathy. She's a lady who comes to church here, but she can't come because her mother's bedridden and she stays with her mom. That way about a year now. So we we got to go back tonight. Boy, you talking about one tired bunch of people. We done been on the road five days, and we drove about five hours yesterday. Got in, got up to two hours this morning, and we'll have Bible study tonight, and then we got to head back. We got things we got to take care of, and then we're going to be in Adairsville. Uh, I'll post it on Facebook where we're going to be, or if y'all want to know, I can send you a text or whatever, but we're going to be in Adairsville Thursday night at 630. And I'm looking for a great service there. I was there one 